Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, the legend of Korra. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are rounding out week 30 with The Legend of Korra, book four, Balance, uh, Enemy at the Gates, and The Battle of Zalfu. Um, so we got a bunch of stuff happening here. Uh, there's several places we could talk, several things we could talk about, uh, and certainly we're going to touch on several, but I feel like the most entertaining is this strange new feeling that's inside of me where, like, I care what people think and I want them to feel good. Uh, how do we feel about Varric's, uh, face turn? Mm, um, you know, I'm into it and i i'm i just watched the second of these episodes so i'm still processing a little bit but i think part of why i'm so into it uh is that it's not complete right like he was the misdirect of the bomb being real and him not having a plan for what happens after they lose all of kovira's folks um was, I think, the thing that makes it most interesting. Because uh, it's way more interesting than like, oh, I have a conscience now, and and it's really fun that like, hey, here I am doing this devious thing, but for good, because now I'm on the side of good. It's interesting that then it's it's coupled with this little sort of like coda of weirdness and ambiguity. Um, you know, which I'm, he's dealing with a lot. Um, of course, he would want to Varric when he binge you lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it makes sense that he'd be struggling. Uh, but I think that is the thing that saves it from being a little overly tropey, satisfyingly tropey, but overly tropey. What did you guys think? Uh, well, Marcus says it's not fully face turned. He definitely still treated Julie like shit. Um, yeah. so I think her like choices in this episode make a lot of sense. Uh, Noel and I know how this stuff ends up, but Noel, how did you feel about Returning to this episode, I forgot just how delightful his, like, ha, huh, I guess I'm, like, blow myself up with my tech so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands guy. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Um, I just have to assume that's just all Bolin influence. Like, years yeah. of Bolin influence wearing him down. But it's also the loss of Julie um, just ca- causing him to face some really hard truths um, about himself, about how kind of terrible he is. But also the fact that his situation is kind of bad. Um, because you can't make money if the world is destroyed. I <laughs> Is kind of the deal here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's like a sense of altruism kind of coming through a little bit. But it's also, yeah, no, this seems like it's really bad for business. Kavir is definitely going to nationalize all the industries. <laughs> um, in a totalitarian sort of sense of the word. Um, so it's just like, it doesn't really make sense for him to stick around. But I do sort of still like it, even if I am also on the still of the opinion that, wait, no, he he tried to assassinate Raiko and did a bunch of other war profiteering stuff. We're just kind of forgetting about all that. Um, because John Michael Higgins is deeply charming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a big part of it. Definitely. Um, what did you think of our Julie, uh, teaming up with Kavira part? Oh, I'm just sort of waiting, I guess, despite all evidence to the contrary, I'm sort of waiting for her to reveal that really she's playing her. Okay. Um, which 
doesn't actually make sense, but just sort of feels like where this, like, like Varric is terrible. It makes sense that at the earliest possible opportunity, she would be like, no, 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 I'm not going, I'm not doing that for this guy. That The paycheck's not big enough for that, especially after their weird rom-com moment that obviously did not go into a rom-com moment. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I like when it happened, Tom, I was sitting next to Tom who has not seen this season. So he's watching this season for the first time. And he went spy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, definitely spy. And then now I'm not so sure. So I'm, I'm interested. It would make the most sense for her to be like, absolutely not. I do not get paid enough. Are you kidding? This was supposed to be an internship. And then, <laughs> uh, and then she, um, is willing to, you know, pretend to be Kovira and, help build a super weapon and whatnot um, marcus or says, as uh, marcus yes yeah she wanted to avoid re-education camps which yeah fair enough. yeah yeah totally fair um but there is still a part of me that is waiting for julie to be like now who's in charge guards do the thing guards <laughs> do the thing uh Boleyn, do the thing uh, that one was easy come on <laughs> come on um although he didn't Boleyn didn't need to pull that handle oh wait he's not a metal bender he's a lava bender he could have used the lava to burn through that doesn't matter yeah doesn't matter not enough lava bending not i like enough that lava he did bending. pull some out at the end but it's like you're fighting giant mech suits like melt them yes yes one what? of several really good fights in these episodes i think mm. really the, good Boleyn's uh uh like, hey, guys, I think that Kuvira lady might not be good. It was like, I think that they pitched that just right. Uh, it was like, oh, oh, you sweet. You, you, you sweet, sweet precious child. Tro- <laughs> yeah, you sweet precious boy. No, no, she's not. Uh, and the, it, it, it took her, like, Vader force holding you for you to realize that. But, like, hey, you got there. And that's what like, we most care buddy, about. Buddy, all her costumes allow her to easily choke you at any point. That's what they're designed for. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, well, before we get to, again, the center of all of this, let's talk a little bit about Asami and her dad. What do we think of that? Did you anticipate him coming back, Allison? No, not at all. I mean, f- frankly, I don't think there was any reason for me to suspect he would come back. The show has so- shown so little interest in Asami that when she got a scene that none of our other main characters were in, I was genuinely shocked. To say nothing of two Two whole scenes of Asami and a person who is not on Team Avatar. What on earth? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I found that very surprising. But welcome. You know, great yeah. voice performance. Um, an understandable, complicated reaction. Uh, the possibility of a redemption arc for a principal person who got turned around in a really bad direction. Um, and who should pay the price for that? Because that was evil. But um, as this season is going out of its way to remind us, a lot of these villains are coming from a place of um, uh, of of decent intent, at least, and then are out of balance and or power hungry dictators, most of them power hungry dictators, but with like the underpinnings of something that seems reasonable. So it may they're going out of their way to tell the story of how decent people can become embroiled with people like this. And um, anyway, it's, it makes perfect sense that it's happening, but no, I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. Noel, were you glad to get Daniel Day Kim back? I mean, I'm always glad to get Daniel Day Kim back. I'm also just, my thing with the whole Satoshi uh, with Hiroshi is like, why does he suddenly look like Hayao Miyazaki now? <laughs> he 
he's just aggressively looks like Miyazaki now. Um, like, I mean, look at this. It's just Miyazaki. It's, <laughs> that's that's just that's it's he. They made they turned him into Miyazaki, which I'm okay with. It's just a weird choice. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with everything Allison just said. Um, it's nice for them to remember that Asami has things to do or things to feel um, that have nothing to do with anyone on Team Avatar and everything to do with just her life. Because um, so much of what's going on with Future Industries is off screen. Um, so it was really nice. And also just she finally gets to play Pai Show the way she was taught to play Pai Show. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to that qu- quick back alley Pai Show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really sweet. Uh, and, and, and bringing back Pai Show specifically in the stakeout so that you could pay it off here was smart. Uh, yeah. Good, you know, it's again, that's that kind of um, structuring and pacing that we get in animation um, so often in animated shows because they have to have the whole season figured out um, to write, to be able to, to make the show. So then you, it's easier to seed in those kinds of beats uh, if you want to make sure to pay them off later. Um, the, the other, yeah, I, I, I really like that we get some Asami time. Uh, the other thing I like about these episodes that we haven't talked about yet is that uh, it just validates how I feel about Sue, which is, what are you doing? What are you, why is this a, this is a bad idea? This shows why, like, your instinct that I shouldn't take over the Earth Kingdom was the right one, uh, because you're not good at this. Um, and Sue's great at many things, but this is not one of them. She's like, she's like the chaotic good member of the party who is not the leader of the party. They are the one who's, like, sneaky out of the shadows to, like, get stuff done, you know, last second. He, you know, um, cure wounds or whatever, pull the metal out of Korra. But, like, how dumb does she think Kuvira is? That she is alone in her tent with no... Like, it's just... Ugh, Suyen, come on, we're rooting for you. What, what did you guys think about her and her, uh, her, her, her plan? Honestly, it was, a, like, a little like a, a very tiny bridge too far for me it was in character in that i was like oh right this is the woman who was like you can't tell me what to do you're not my boss i'm gonna help my friends rob a bank um like it is definitely that woman this woman is that girl and you can uh-huh. see the impulsiveness and the recklessness uh in both um the younger woman and the adult woman but um but it just it, i I find it a little bit hard to believe that she would be able to keep Zhao Fu in the position that it's in for so long if she was also routinely making decisions that were this impulsive and reckless. It's because it's not even remotely sound strategically. It makes no sense, like no precautions and like a terrible use of resources. She's surrounded by earthbenders. Why didn't they tunnel in? None of it makes any sense. Um, So I found it a little frustrating, but I think it's worth the um the whatever sort of credulity breaking happens here in order to get to the point we get at the end of the episode which now it absolutely feels like final season stuff right i was like oh okay we're not leaving anything behind now we we, i mean we may because we're moving fast um but everything is going to be very high stakes we're just going to go for it um which always makes for really thrilling viewing even when it's not 100 percent 
like perfectly constructed. Did, am I alone in this reaction? Of oh, thinking no. that Okay, good. Yeah, no. No. Uh, Marcus says, isn't Cora also the Keita Good Party member and kind of the leader? Yes, but because of genetics. She just like she was born into it, not because she's the right fit. And in this episode, we see her trying to like steer against that, being like, okay, in season two or three, I definitely would have been done this plan, but that didn't work out so great. So maybe we should try talking first. Talking? Talk talk. <laughs> Diplomacy? I've got a negative two, but I'll try it. You know? yeah, to continue your D&D analogy, it's like Korra um, has, over the course of several seasons and leveling up, routinely almost dying, uh, but then getting healing potions um, and rolling hit dice and then coming back. Um, she has leveled up enough times that she's got really high passive perception and she's able to do some good history checks. Mm-hmm. And that allows her to do what is the rational decision, even if we know enough about Kovira to know that it's not going to go well and that she's being manipulated. She is making the rational choice. It's just not a rational situation. Yeah. Well, and the other bit of this before we get to the, the fight and everything with Kovira and uh, and Cora is... Oh god, the the fiance is just s- such a angsty bitch. Um that's sorry, that's gendered. That's very gendered. But he is whiny and petulant and um mommy doesn't love me best. Uh it's just like it it's like everything you don't like about Percy Weasley, but times ten, so much more. Um he's he, he's really really annoying and you can, if he didn't feel like he fit in he didn't have his opportunity to shine and Zafu's like I can see why because you're so entitled and you just think that everybody should just bow before me mom mom I, I've got the big job now it's just like it's so obnoxious I know it's what they're going for and I think it's very successful um but you just I can't wait till he gets his face punched by someone it's gotta happen no no how do you feel about junior I mean, I, 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 it's just, he's very stock character sort of deal is really my problem with Batar Jr. Um, because he doesn't even have like a line of dialogue in season three. He just pops up following his dad during like an architecture meeting. And then he's never heard or seen from again. Um, which is why he's the one that gets slotted into this role to up the stakes for the uh, Beifong family. Um so he's fine. He's annoying. Uh, the voice performer is great, though. Like, does a really good job with this ve- with this very thankless role, I think. But yeah, he's just he's a tool. <laughs> um, this is going to be one of the rare circumstances where we make a Harry Potter comparison, and it's actually in favor of the Harry yeah. Potter series, <laughs> um, which is not fashionable at the moment. But it's a major point of reference for a lot of us of a certain age. So I'm just going to lean into it. Um, And that we've got a we've got a total Percy Weasley here. Right. Only um, it's a lot less interesting, which is, again, usually right now it's the opposite. I'll go like, oh, well, this is like Dumbledore, only way more interesting. Oh, this is like Hermione, only way more interesting. No, this is um, they skipped all of the pieces that are important to me and making me care about this relationship and about his choices, right? It's not, you know, um, a son dealing with 
feeling excluded from his family or feeling like they're making the wrong choice um, for the safety of the world. Totally. Instead, it's just like, I'm tired of being in your shadow. We have similar glasses. They're drawing us similarly. And that's how you know we're related. And other than that, I'm just a turd. Like he just, (laughs) there's, there's no shading to it. So he's really hateable in a satisfying way. Um, but it, but it's not, uh, particularly engaging on any other level, which at this point is unusual with this show, right? I think they're really firing on all cylinders. It's more rare that they, um, let the, it's rarer now that a character would be so shallowly drawn than it was uh, back in season one. Yeah. Uh, Marcus says he has imprisoned all his family except Opal now, right? Yes. And yep. the tortured artisan wouldn't make sense doing this. Now, I love that they have him like, I won't kneel. Like they have him make the bold, you know, moral stance and be like, and, th- and then followed it up. I can't even remember what the line is. Something about like, you're oppressing my individuality. You're oppressing yeah. my individuality. It's like the both of those at once. It was just great. It's like, oh. That's Two great nice. moments for that guy in this episode yeah. because I also loved his art lesson. Yes. Very his good. critique of Milo, Milo's uh, just... I really like the follow-through on. Milo's a really good artist, everyone. Mm-hmm. He's very good. <laughs> yeah, he's very good. And he doesn't care because all he wants to do is smash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, watching people like, yeah, finally some action! Great Milo episodes. Mm-hmm. Man... The Milo, it's not a glow up, but the the building of Milo as a force of chaos is really enjoyable. It's they're just it. I absolutely buy that that rambunctious, I don't know, five year old, however old he was, would now be this eight, nine year old. Again, I don't He's know. How nine, old he I is. think now. Nine. Yeah. Um, you can absolutely see how that smaller child becomes this slightly less small child. Uh, and it's really, it's just so much fun to watch. He's hes not my favorite airbending sibling uh, because, I mean, I love all of them, but I do not love them equally. I love Jinora most of all. Um, but I love all of them. Uh, and he is certainly rocketing up the list. And by that, I mean staying in roughly the same position. But they're all rocketing up the list. Yeah. Uh, Marcus says Milo's painting and the Korra sketch have more detail and shading than the actual animated characters. And yeah. It's good. It's good. I like the, uh, the, it's, it's, it just makes it so clear how much of a choice it is, which is, which is fun. Um, yeah, there's good, there's good Milo content here, but the, the Milo smash takes us to our big fight. Um, so Allison, what'd you think of Cora getting her butt kicked? Um, I mean, it was great. I, I just sort of wish that maybe she hadn't gotten her butt kicked quite so recently. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I haven't jumped three years. So it feels a little familiar in a way that I think those fights haven't really. Although obviously Kavir has a very different style and we're getting really interesting echoes of the other fights, particularly when she's up in the air. That's just extremely upsetting. Um, And the revelation that everything isn't PG Keen now just because she got the poison out of her system and can return to the Avatar state, I think, is an important piece of storytelling. Um, but it's incredibly well constructed. Kavira is terrifying um, and kind of hot, but terrifying. Uh, like she just has this very, um, ooh, I don't know. Like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, but make it mean mm-hmm. energy, which is really fun. Um, so she's terrifying. 
And that I think makes the, that alone makes the fight really interesting. Watching Cora have to try to adjust to all the things that this woman is, this formidable woman is capable of. Yeah. Noel, how was the fight for you? Uh, it's great. Um, mainly, like, I mean, there's a lot of really terrific stuff in it. But I think for me, a lot of it boils down to some of the more, like, character type stuff that Kavira takes advantage of here. Um, which, first and foremost, Zelda Williams is great as Kavira. Uh, the vocal performance is just really, really good. Um, she finds, like, layers of that irrational rationality type of thing of you're talking to her she sounds like she's making sense and but she's not making any sense or she's trying to talk you into joining up being the inner circle of a despot of a totalitarian regime and it sounds reasonable to do it um and zelda williams keys into that really well but from a writing perspective as well there's also this whole fact of she just goads cora in a way that no one has goaded cora it's a very sort of cora approach to trying to rile her up um, that no one else really kind of has done to her, done to Cora so far. So this is kind of the thing I was talking about with like a little bit of them wanting to develop a Cora-esque villain for Cora's last season um, in that she's kind, she's, she's a little arrogant. She's very assured of her skills. She does have the skills to back up that arrogance, um, but that she also talks a little bit of smack. Um, so I think that there's just really good writing stuff there as well. And then that whole aspect of, I would never ask you all to fight the Avatar if I'm not willing to do it myself. So I'm going to do this as a way to kind of shore up this idea of, yeah, no, all her soldiers are pressed into service against their will, but maybe I can inspire them by beating the shit out of this teenage girl. <laughs> um, well, girl and her young woman in her late early 20s, I should say. Um, so I think it's just really good, but then the fight is just brutal. Like, I agree with Allison that it feels like it just happened. Um, but the sheer brutality of it and the ways in which they animate, particularly Kuvira, just able to dodge pretty much everything. Um, really, even more so than her, um, attack on the bandits on the train in the first episode really drives home how really scary and how much of a threat she is. And I feel like a really different way from Oman, from Unalak, and from Zaheer. It's, it just feels different because of how agile she is. Um, so I really enjoy it. And I'm, I remember being very glad when Korra snaps a little bit and sees Kuvira as her, the old Avatar self. Um, and just going like, oh, right, good. We're not we're not actually done with this yet. There are still things to resolve. Um, so I was very happy with all of it. I think it's all really, really good. Yeah, I think I like this fight less than you guys, um, both of you. But I think I like aspects of it more, which is, to me, it didn't feel like... Um, it didn't feel like it was too soon for this kind of a fight because I didn't, f it felt very different to me Sure. because this is not Korra yet. It's like, it, she's in transition. She's like in like a pupa or something into becoming the next version of herself. She was much more in sync with herself and able to really, really fight in the end of season three, um, the end of season one. Uh, so She's not ready. She's not ready yet. If she hadn't already been to Dagobah, so she has to go to Dagobah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and whereas, you know, and that's what I think makes it, I think they do a good job of animating that and, and storyboarding that so that it really comes through, which is why Kuvira is able to keep up with her and beat her and best her 
just throughout the fight because it's like, oh, I'm holding myself back because I'm not going to do the Avatar state. Yeah, sure. That's why she's losing. No, <laughs> it's not that. It's all this other stuff. And it, it is about Kavira, but it's also very much not about her at all. It could be anyone in that ring because she's still fighting herself, even if she thought she was over, you know. So it's like this recovering from trauma as a multi-waved and or multi-layered operation and, and process that you have. she's still in the middle of undergoing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really effective in that way. But the, the fight itself, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is fine. Kavir's really scary. They're doing a good job with her. And, and I like the contrast with, you know, f- the end of season three was here with the core in the Avatar state with the chains, whereas now metal's being used against her. I like that through line of that. I think it's really potent. Um, and I'm just mostly excited for what's going to come next. Uh, Marcus says, knowing she's only operating like 20% has me looking forward to the rematch end. Oh, yeah. Me too. I'm looking forward to future battles. Um, yes, that's all I will say. Do we have any other aspects of these episodes that we wanted to make sure to mention? <gasps> you know what we didn't mention yesterday that we need to mention? The, the, the squirrel frogs. We finally <laughs> saw the squirrel frogs, and they're so cute. They are very cute. Um, is there anything else that I want to mention? I'm just, I'm just glad that poor dumb Bolin has figured it out at least a little bit. And he seems to be, it seems to have been like, like he's been radicalized. He understands now. Um, because he also is seeing Varric more clearly, which you'd think he would already have done, you know, the first time. But yeah. uh, but it's I'm just really glad that my beloved himbo has woken up a little. Mm-hmm. Noel, any final thoughts? Uh, there are too many Variks. Too many Variks. Um, no, um, no final thoughts. Um, I'm actually sort of excited um, to get into this next stretch because um, after the Battle of Zalfu, I didn't review any episodes until like episode ten. Um, because page views just plummeted precipitously after after that. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm curious, but we also we get the clip show for Monday. We do get the clip show, yeah. So we're going to be doing three episodes. Well, and first of all, so we don't forget it, uh, Noel has changed his name to Head Voices Are Liars, which is one of many excellent Varric lines in these episodes. So thank you for reminding us yeah. of that, Noel. <laughs> for Monday, we will be watching three episodes, episodes seven, eight, and nine. Uh, so you ready for these titles? Because they're Him. terrible again. Yeah. Oh, great. Episode seven is Reunion. Then okay. episode eight is Remembrances. That's not the clip then, show episode. Weirdly, it is. It, <laughs> okay. Then, then, episode, then episode nine is Beyond the Wilds. And then, okay. the, then the episode titles are good after that. But okay. for Monday, they're... They're not all that great. So what what do you think happens in Reunion and Remembrances? And then you can actually guess some stuff about Beyond the Wilds. Yeah, Beyond the Wilds isn't a bad episode title. I mean, it could be worse, but by chorus standards, it's practically poetry. Um, uh, so in Reunion, no one sees each other ever again. They are They do not reunite. Um, Korra definitely does not reunite with Asami and Mako. Um, she definitely, and Bolin, she definitely does not get, um, some much needed counsel and friendship and support from them in her journey to, uh, recovering from her trauma 
and learning to deal, maybe even not recovering from it, learning to deal with it. Again, this does not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, she definitely does make out with Asami. Um, okay. Remembrances. I'm going to guess um, that Korra and Tenzin and Mako and Bolin and Asami, all they're all having a hard time sleeping. So they wake up one at a time and they all find themselves gathered in the kitchen together, sitting around a table. And then one of them remembers they've got a cheesecake in the fridge. So they take out the cheesecake and they sit down and they share some memories about the wacky hijinks they've gotten up to over the years, like the time George Clooney was on. And then, um, and then uh, Beyond the Wilds. Um, so I'm going to make actual predictions for this one. Just kidding. They were all real predictions. Um, in this one, uh, Korra has to go back into the spirit realm, and there's like a like an outer ring sort of. That's the spirit wilds, and she has to go beyond the spirit wilds to try to find. Um, this version or this piece of herself that she's still running from, um, which is maybe maybe Lisa Rava or something. I don't know. But that's my guess is that the wilds are in the spirit realm and Cora has to go on a journey to um, to find a, a piece of herself that she is either running from or that is running from her. That's my guess. Okay. Interesting. Nobody wants to drink water? No? No? no. Okay. But no, I will say I'm... that at least some of the things you guessed uh, over the course of those three are accurate. So It's the cheesecake, right? Yes. It's the cheesecake, obviously. Great. Um, Marcus says, uh, first of all, when Boleyn, uh, when Boleyn didn't understand why Opal was angry with him, I was like, take a hint. And yeah. Yeah. You'd, uh, yeah. Um, and then Marcus says, considering Toph sees everything with her daughters, I expect her to show up and save Su Yin, but that might not happen in the next three episodes. Okay. I, I want to piggyback off Marcus and say that, that that is a really good prediction, but I want to predict that Toph shows up to tell Su Yin that she is totally capable of saving herself. What is wrong with her? <laughs> and then she's just like, you know how to get out of here. And then she just tunnels away. That's, that's, that's my guess. That would be they can tunnel. They can tunnel. Why is no one tunnel? Bolin tunnels. If Bolin, who is not the brightest bulb, can remember that he can tunnel, why do none of the rest of them tunnel? It's an excellent question. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Secret, (laughs) secret, secret, secret tunnel. Those were the days. And on that note. Thank you, Marcus, for hanging us hanging with us today in the Zoom. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.